It may be time to rethink the use of celebrities to endorse products. This is the focus group. They're all business, except when they're not. It's the focus group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Welcome to the focus group. John Nash here with my good friend and co-host Tim Bennett. Focusgroupradio.com is the only thing you really need to know about our show, except of course that we do have another product called TFGM button and that's available on Tuesdays as an audio only product uh, podcast the focus group which you're watching now or you may be listening to is available on YouTube or on um, your podcast platform of choice we want to also thank deep discount our partner here on the focus group we'll be visiting with them shortly to share some new titles and some of our personal picks as we get closer to I'm going to say it this way the dreaded holidays I love Thanksgiving I used to love Christmas too but <laughs> well, are you going away for the any of the holidays this year? Are you staying? No, I think staying we're put? I, yeah, we're staying put. Um our friends Alex and Tyler are going to be joining. They're coming in to visit his family in New York uh uh here and uh before Thanksgiving. So we get to see them. They live in Chicago now and looking forward to that. And then his parents and family for uh Thanksgiving and the Christmas stuff. So you're not going to uh you're not going to head up head up north anywhere? Well, we always do. Uh, like yeah. so, so the day of, like, we might have a holiday with the family or something, but then we'll eventually head upstate. Yeah. Okay, I had something fun to tell you. Um, my sister's birthday was this weekend, my older sister. And last year, I got her, on a whim, I got her this kit that Lego makes that you and I actually talked about some time ago on one of our broadcasts. It's a, it's a Lego bonsai tree. So you put the kit together and it looks like a little Because she does right? flower arranging. Exactly. She, as, a, exactly. as like a hobby, right? She, she took, loves it, yeah. yeah. So they had Lego flowers you could do and you could do your own arrangements. But I thought, nah. So I got her the bonsai tree. She adored it. She loved the bonsai tree. She said it was the most relaxing thing. It was like putting a puzzle together. She really had a fun time doing it. It, it awoken, it woke up the, you know, our childhood love of play and making things. So I thought I should continue the trend. So this year I, I Googled um, adult paint by numbers. Now you remember growing oh up with paint by <laughs> I found this company that does these elaborate paint by number. I mean, they it's like it's practically like a masterpiece. And you could so I found one that had really high ratings. And what it com- the kit that comes is a four pieces of wood that when you put them together make a stretcher for a canvas. Canvas with the pre-printed picture and the numbers of the different paint stuff that you stretch over, you staple on, and then you're and then it comes with all the paints and a photographic guide. And I looked at it, and Bob said, "Boy, that's going to take her hours." And so she got it, and she's a, she said she can't wait to do it. When the winter sets in officially, she's going to start doing her adult paint by numbers. Well, you know that nut we worked for out west. <laughs> yeah, don't get too specific, right? They did a paint by number. Do you remember that? I don't know no. if you saw it. Did I? Oh, oh, I can't believe I didn't tell you. Okay, this is good. This so is they really had good. paint by number that she, but it was the kids when we were kids. Remember, they had the little, yes. the little tubes yep. of paint, mm-hmm. and she was a, I'll put in quotes, artist. And so they were uh, equestrian themed, of course, as you can imagine, ponies. Yes, yeah. and but then had the prints made up into scarves and pants and shirts and things. She can buy an Etsy. But I'll get you something for the holiday. But it's a paint by number. Mm-hmm. So I thought you saw all this. Oh, this is. Oh yeah, let me make a note. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. I'm glad I brought up paint by yeah, numbers. Yeah, that that that. I, I'll tell you what. If you if we ever hit the lottery, 
I'm hiring a, I'm hiring a writer, and that's going to be a Netflix series. Actually, yes. Uh, Tim and I have a, a thought for a series, and Tim, do you think or a musical? Is, well, well, then it would be like it would kind of be like uh, when they did uh, Priscilla Queen of the Desert on Broadway. I think yeah. we went to see, and we're like, it's a jukebox musical because everything was just song, song, song. Yeah, song, well, that's song. all this would be. Um, do you think it would be better as a musical or as a six or eight part, you know, Netflix, HBO kind of thing? It's probably like Mamma Mia. It's got it's got many legs. Probably could be a movie. It could be Broadway. So you're saying it's multiple. It could be Netflix. It could be, it could be everywhere. Okay. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah, it, I do. It writes itself. I mean, you couldn't make it up. You tell people the story, they don't believe it. <laughs> Tim called me last week. I mean, we talk all the time, but this particular call, he said, hey, I got something to it's a new download. I got a report to you. And you could hear paper, his notebook pages like, OK, now here we're going to start here. And I was like, oh, there's at least three or four pages of notes. This is going to be a good one. <laughs> I was telling somebody and they were just shaking. I was telling Richard about it. He was shaking his head. He's like, I, yeah. I, I, I said, I can't you can't make it up. You can't. No, no, no they're crazy. <laughs> but anyway. Hey, no. by the way. Um, how I know you didn't get to see it, but was it, you guys had spectacular weather for Sea Witch last weekend, right? Yeah, the weather was very nice for Saturday. It was, uh, I think, record crowds for uh, for Saturday for the 70s. Sea Witch, which is the end, the the official, the unofficial official end of the season. So they dragged this old paper mache blown up witch down the <laughs> you boulevard. Make it sound so glamorous. They dragged this old paper mache witch well i think it's now but it's gone so the chamber of commerce does this thing they call sea witch which is the final weekend of october which is usually halloween uh and they uh they parade it through it was supposed to help to raise money for the, mm -hmm. the local merchants although the merchants apparently don't like it because it essentially shuts downtown it does yeah and uh but people from all over come in bands from as far away as lancaster county pennsylvania the marching bands come in from you know maryland and and mm -hmm. you know points points uh points east or west and uh so yeah so the um the parade lasts and little kids in costumes it's cute and some politicians this year because of the the elections and uh it's a it's a very homespun mayberry sort of parade uh you you went one oh year. we and we had a similar weather weekend yeah we saw nice. which several years ago and then they That's do a, a dog parade on the boardwalk. Oh, do they do the dogs do costumes? Yeah, dog costumes and the and their owners. Okay. Um, we did not do that this year. We'd actually forgot about it. A friend had sent a note, and uh, but the weather was nice. Sunday was not as nice. Uh, I know you had better weather Beautiful than we did, weather. but Sunday yeah. was not as nice. And um, but yes, there was good uh, good sea witch weather. <laughs> we had we had one streamed of broadcasting from the top of the. Uh, was it the sand, sand castle? The sand castle. Right. Rehoboth's only two star <laughs> which is going under renovation. By the way, it's going to be called something else. We can't quite understand. So there's Hotel Rehoboth, mm -hmm. and we think this is going to be called the Rehoboth Hotel, <laughs> which is <laughs> it's like it's almost yeah, which is right next door. You know, uh, it's it, yeah, it's it, you know, it's a little bit of Shit's Creek down here, but it's um, it, it's uh. Yeah, so that's being, and there's a there's a new restaurant going in there. So yeah, so it, it's uh it's changed, but there's a number of hotels on the docket that will be opening up. We we think in town. So well, that one, um, uh, I I bet if they do a, an overhaul, that could be a that's a great location. That one, it's a great location, and it needed an overhaul. Yeah, yeah, it needed uh, the, the the sandcastle theme. John mentions it had the turrets and the whole deal. Apparently, hadn't been touched. Neither had the beds or the linens since uh the early 80s 
So it uh, it really did need a it did it did need a bit of a did a refresh. Yeah, coat, coat of fresh paint. So um, if you're new to our program, uh, we start off with a segment called, called Caught Your Eye, and that's just two news items. Tim and I each bring one to the table, usually surprising each other with what we choose. Then we're going to visit with our partner, Deep Discount, take a quick break. We have the only uh, business birthday in the universe on the show. It's called Business Birthday After That. And then we have a shop talk, which we're going to be talking about celebrity endorsements, specifically an article I found about a, an ad that Michael Jackson did for Suzuki scooters years ago but i think that will lead into other conversation because celebrity and endorsement has been in the news certainly for a while so without further ado mr bennett what caught your eye what caught your eye here's what tim and john found so this was submitted by one of our listeners in delaware howard sent this to me and said i wonder if you saw this because he knows you and i often talk about uh (laughs) talk about our love of this uh this person because of what he did with his partner. So Jules Bass, co-creator of TV's Rudolph and Frosty the Snowman, dies at age 87. Now, before we go, I didn't take a picture of him. If you're watching the videos, you see, so that's him on the right there. Who does he look like? Somebody we've had on our show before and we know. Good friend of mine. You know? Michael Cataldi? No, I think he looks like Andrew Giuliani. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. If Andrew Giuliani aged, that, you know what I mean? Andrew's younger. Yes. Yes. Doesn't yes. it look like Andrew could be Andrew's dad? Uh huh. Anyway, as a sidebar. <laughs> but I looked at that and I, I had to look. I said, oh my God, it looks like Andrew. So um, Jules Bass had, uh, had passed away. He was part of, part of the team that, um, that created, as I said, Rudolph and Frosty the Snowman, among other things. Uh, he died in 87. He, uh, he pioneered stop-motion animation, which John was a big fan of, with Arthur Rankin Jr., mm-hmm. and their company was called Rankin Bass Productions, which they formed in 1960. Uh, he was born in Philadelphia, and uh, he, met, uh, he met Rankin in New York City. They both went to NYU, and they worked for an ad agency, and they had done some commercials and, and ended up going on a trip to Tokyo. And uh, toured an animation studio, and, and they got tired of doing commercials, and they decided they were going to do um, some animation work and wanted to do stop-motion animation. And they developed a, a technique called Animagic. Yes, <laughs> very good. <laughs> and their first project was The New Adventures of Pinocchio. And I don't know if you... I did, not, I did not know they did that, but that was their first project. But they were best known for the 1964 release of Rudolph, which was a unique animation style and a very lovable cast. The New York Times called it when it was released charming and tuneful, an hour of fantasy. Audiences, of course, loved it. And uh, it has since become the longest running Christmas special, in t- one of the longest Christmas uh, specials in TV history. It's aired every year since its uh, first run in 64. So Animagic is essentially where they use dolls with wire joints and capture their movements one frame at a time. The single-frame stop-motion process is painstakingly long. And, uh, John, you're very familiar with this. They said it takes it uh, would take over an hour to just do, um, let's see, how long did it? It said a single-frame stop-motion process was painstakingly long with a movie that lasted under an hour, taking more than a year to animate. Yep, yep. Well, you're doing 24 frames per second, so every time they have to, either they do click, click, move the arm, click, click, you know. <laughs> So they were given, so when they made the, so there was a song, Johnny Mark's song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So to do this 47 minute, to make this 
um, song into a 47 minute uh, TV uh, movie. They were given, they had to go, they did work with one word. And um, so they wanted this animagic to not just be a technique, but they had to leave the audience or leave the story and the characters and the music with one word. Do you have any guess what the word would be? What your feeling would be as you watch after you watched it at the end? Well, I want to say joy. You're close. I, I would not have come up with the word either, but the, so so they all they were working toward warmth. Warmth. Well, yeah. they nailed that, right? Yeah, they said they they said they kept their whole focus was always on warmth of, of having it be a very relatable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there were two original dolls used in Rudolph. Um, each one cost five thousand dollars back in nineteen sixty four. That's a lot of money in today's. Yeah, that's expensive. Uh, they were recently sold in twenty twenty for three hundred and sixty eight thousand apiece. At auction in, uh, in Hollywood. Uh, they became the go-to guys for stop uh, motion, uh, stop action, animo- uh, stop motion animation. They also did Santa Claus is Coming to Town, One of my Here favorites. Without Santa Claus, The Little Drummer Boy. They also did, uh, did animation such as Frosty the Snowman. And they said their specials often run between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day. They had no problem filling our production schedules. They said our personal lives and our ability to produce um, kept us very busy. We could never produce all the stuff that people wanted us to do. And uh, they did a lot of non-holiday stuff as well. They did The Hobbit, Thundercats, The Jackson 5, The Return of the King. Uh, Bass ended up retiring um, to France and wrote a vegetarian cookbook, Kids. Really? Yeah, he died in an assisted living facility in Rye, New York. So uh, that was what uh, caught my eye. Wow, wow. That's a, so he died, you, he died for, last Tuesday. Yeah. So Howard had sent that to us. One of the legends, right? Um, yeah, you know, here's something Tim and I used to always laugh at this when they, uh, a couple of years ago, they restored and they cleaned up the original Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer. And, and he and his friend Matt were watching this on TV and they, they, they could literally see dirt and the fingerprints <laughs> on the puppets, right? From all the manipulation that they had to go through to get the action down. Right, so toward the end of the right, toward the end of the movie, and you noticed it too. You could see at the end how dirty mm-hmm. the puppets got by the end of the, <laughs> you know, by the time it's the end of the movie, you could see how they moved them. Because you, you're right, they had to manhandle them, they had to touch them, touch them, know. click, touch them, click, touch them, click. It, the Rankin and Bass are so well known in the animation world, and they've led to you know other. There are other stop motion studios. Um, namely the ones that come like you know kubo on the two strings there's a whole bunch of so gumby and pokey were done gumby and pokey or, were stop motion and david and well. goliath david and goliath oh, yeah. yes Dave, most davy, certainly. davy and goliath davy and goliath what would god say yeah he's not gonna say well davy what would god say i didn't realize that was a religious thing till the end the little cross would come i out didn't either until i saw there i could read it does you know, see it was done by the lutheran church <laughs> the lutheran yeah right but they were all morality plays right i always loved the little jeep mm-hmm. oh the jeep was the best yeah that's the gumby and poke right yeah 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 but they also the had they also davy and davy also davy and the girl yeah, davy and the father and, yeah then i would realize it was all fake when they'd go through that it would look like play-doh water yeah mm-hmm. when they try to go through them. <laughs> but as a kid you loved it right yeah so what caught your eye uh could not be any different as usual and this uh, concerns the artist mondrian and it turns out that one of his paintings has been hanging upside down 
aka the wrong way for <laughs> over this. 75 years despite the how discovery. would you know well here's I'll, I'll get into that just the the work is titled new york city one and it will continue to be displayed the wrong way to avoid damaging it so this picture was done by Mondrian in 1941. It's a complex of interlacing uh, red, yellow, and black lines and some blue, and it's done with adhesive tape. So if you happen to be watching on YouTube, um, I have a picture up, and on the left is the wrong way it hangs, on the right is the right way. You may say to yourself, hmm, I don't get it. It looks the same both ways. <laughs> Um, the way the picture is currently hung shows the multicolored lines thickening at the bottom, suggesting an, suggesting an extremely simplified version of a skyline. But a curator named Suzanne Meyer-Busser started researching the museum's new show on the Dutch avant-garde artist earlier this year, and she realized as she looked at photographs and did research that the picture should be hung the other way around. Mm. So she said the thickening of the grid should be at the top like a dark sky. Once I pointed out to other curators, we realized it was a very, it was very obvious. And I'm 100% certain the picture is now the wrong way. And she, she went further and she found a photograph of Mondrian's studio taken literally, you know, three or four days after he passed away and published in an American lifestyle magazine called Town and Country in June 1944. And it shows this same picture sitting the correct way on an easel. So, so they had this photographic record of his studio. And now I'm like, okay. But, you know, she says, was it a mistake when someone removed the work from its box? Was someone being sloppy? It's impossible to say, but they now know that they have to keep it hanging the way, the wrong way, because it's been hanging that way for so long. And this painting was put together with these adhesive strips that if they were to turn the painting to the right way, gravity would not be a friend of the painting. And a lot of this stuff would start falling off and it would damage the work. So she said, now it's just part of the... Um, part of the history and the provenance of the painting that it happens to be hanging the wrong way. <laughs> now, I got a couple of issues here. Yeah. Is this duct tape? It's a, I would say that it's a forerunner of duct tape, but very similar because it's a colored kind of vinyl tape, yeah. I mean, I've sent you packages that look like that. I, 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 I <laughs> yeah, you're wondering why it's so much well, money, Well, this is right? what I don't understand about a lot of this. I, I mean, and, and quite frankly, there's four colors of tape, right? So there's yellow, red, navy blue and black how difficult would this be for you and i to sit down and do this tim i was at the moma the other day um because i get free access now and then just, and did just, you look at a white canvas tundra i looked, shrouded at, I looked in at a ice. photograph it was a polaroid pinned with a pin to a piece of white paper and on yeah. the paper was written laundry's drying and it was a polaroid of sheets drying on a, a clothesline and you know, there, there, was, there was a group of tourists taking pictures of this thing, and I'm standing there thinking, this is a Polaroid of someone's laundry. <laughs> and so know. what was the point of it? I, I don't It was part of a larger show, and this was something to do with this artist's early work and his inspiration by moving fabrics and color and light. Mm. Yes. I. <laughs> but I look at this, and this is really just, you know, lines mm -hmm. that were... Mondrian, yeah. Yeah, it's just lines that are spaced properly which is what people do all day long when you're hanging wallpaper and um <laughs> no and i just i i never understood this and i i don't know i don't i think a lot of this is luck with modern art well because who if, if you if you and i i don't know if you and i had done this nobody would give us 50 cents but because you slapped his name on it 
Yes. Like and you he, and I could, you and I could get some duct tape and do this and drag this over to the, where's this museum? Oh, this isn't, this is a museum over in uh, Amsterdam. Holland, you and I could throw this in the basement with his name tacked on the back and some, you know, young intern curator. Oh, it's mine, man. They Here's hang the best it up, part. No one. Here's the best part. This particular work, the one that's done with the tape, is similar to an actual painting that he did later. So this was a study for the painting. Yeah. This is not even signed. They so know wonder, it's his work, but it's not even signed. So, like, I wonder what it's worth. That's what I want to know. Mm, millions. Jeez. Well, no, no, no. Take that back. Hundreds of thousands. But oh the, 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 the contemporary art market is something that just always surprises me. What, 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 what is something worth, right? But I, I know your friend Pat, who's a, who's a collector and, and, and probably would have more appreciation. I, maybe I just don't have appreciation for it. But I would like somebody to tell me why that would be worth more hundreds than the, of thousands of dollars than the painting of Hillary you got on, you know, Melrose right. or, or, you uh, know. on a piece of cardboard outside of a store, which right. remember those paintings? <laughs> I still have them. Transgender. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, vote, they're great. Vote Hillary. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's, it's somebody once told me art is what you're willing to pay for it. That's exactly you know, the, right. The value of yeah. art is what you're willing, to pay, willing to pay for it. But I don't, I don't understand where the talent is there that somebody was able to follow a straight line and, 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 you know, put down some pieces of mm -hmm. tape. Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that's why you would enjoy it. I heard it on NPR and then I looked it up. I heard this thing on NPR and then I thought this is going to definitely catch my eye. Should ever catch everybody else's too. Yeah. Okay. All right, folks. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we want to uh, welcome our partner and thank them deep discount for being a partner of ours here on the focus group. Go to their site by going to ours, focusgroupradio.com. Click on the deep discount logo, which is a shark called Sharky and uh, start your shopping journey. It is a site-wide sale this month, and site-wide sale means free range, anything you can imagine. There's, there's vinyl records, there's books, there's apparel, obviously there's DVD, Blu-ray, uh, all your packaged media needs, and there's some really great stuff there. So without further ado, Mr. Bennett, I think I really like what you picked this week for your personal choice. Yeah, I didn't pick it because I want to watch it. I I, I picked. I, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> well, here's what I did. So I don't like having when people come over a blank TV screen. Uh, no, you like putting stuff. I, I like on having things on that run. So this, to me, I thought I saw this and I thought this would be fantastic. Eventually, I would like to see some of these, but I can't. Ima I don't recognize a lot of them. But the, so the title is "The Golden Age of Musicals: Seventeen Classic oh, Films." Seventeen. Wow. And so it's anywhere, you know, from Fred Astaire to James Cagney to Judy Garland, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, um, Danny Kaye, Bob Hope, you know, on and on and on. So the package contains 24 hours of song, dance, and comedy that will dazzle and entertain you with everything from slapstick to romance and over-the-top opulence. So this is the best of uh, the golden age of musicals, which were during this genre's pivotal 20 years between 37 and 57. And so what I thought was great about this was some of these things are just so over the top and campy and colorful and that I thought if you were have and it's it's under $14 at deep discount. So I thought Th what a great thing great. to have on yeah. as a visual if you put these if you put this on and you were having a cocktail party or dinner party happy hour or something just to have on your TV because you know it's just going to be a visual um you know vis visually exciting I think to see all of the dancing and and because so much of set. it was done almost like a kaleidoscope right you'd look mm -hmm. down on it and that you would, would be see like esther williams in the, the pool or right. something 
So there's uh, there's so many of these um, different. I was re- I was looking on the box. I don't know a lot of these music musicals. This, uh, the Stage Door. Yeah, I'm trying to read some of these. All American Coed. Something to sing about. The fabulous Dorsey's. Uh, this is the Army. Pot of Gold. Oh my God, this is the Army. I haven't heard that one in a long time. You know, so, um, the reason I like that you picked this is the other day we turned on. It must have been a couple months ago, actually. So it wasn't the other day, but. Turner Classic Movies was running uh, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers block. And I was just kind of in this off mood and we turned on TCM and it was towards the end of this musical and he's on his knees in a tuxedo. Perfect, like, right, they're the set, like they're in some New York apartment, air quotes. Right. And, and he's begging her to be his dancing partner and suddenly all the, the walls split apart <laughs> and, he, and he gets up with her and what after they split apart there's this enormous stage behind them with all these guys in top hats and canes and these women in all these multicolored dresses and they're dancing in perfect synchrony yeah and i by the end of the thing when the movie ended i couldn't stop smiling and bob goes don't you just love those old musicals <laughs> well they'll, they never do movies like that anymore no right? we, we don't it, it's like the, the old variety scale, shows on tv the scale right. of that thing and the precision and you and you know that they had to practice that thing a million mm-hmm. times before they got in front of those big cameras so well they had no social media they had nothing to do you know. <laughs> well they had so no they were able to, distractions yeah, yeah they, they were able to get that stuff done so all right so i picked something that's a fun one and for uh 1353 throw that on the tv and it's going to be a burst of color you know because it's always color color music a little bit of narrative color color (laughs) i picked um a movie that i would like more people to see only because i really thought it was well done it's called ad astra uh, which is latin to um for uh for i believe to the stars and um it stars brad pitt and tommy lee jones brad pitt is tommy lee jones son uh, Tommy Lee Jones plays um, a scientist who's out by the planet Pluto or Uranus doing research, and there's something he's doing out there that's causing these bursts of radiation to hit the Earth and call, disrupt all kind of things like communication, electrical supply, and whatever. And so they send the son, Brad Pitt, out to to see what's going on to stop these power surges and to like bring his dad home. It's just super well done visually. There's the dialogue is minimal, but some of the cinematography and the look of the space travel is so close to real. Like you're like, wow, I can see this as a you know couple decades from now we might have this technology. So it just is an interesting film. Bob and I literally rewatched it a few weeks ago, and and he said at the end of the film, he goes, you know, he goes, I like this more and more every time I see this. So it's one of those classics, or at least it's a classic for me. So if you're a sci-fi fan. By all means, pick up that Astra. Oh, poor Bob, you subject him to a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'm subjected to other things too. And hey, before I go on to this release, uh, you know, Lauren out at Deep Discount let us know that on Monday of this week, which would be Halloween, was the release of uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Uh, it came out in 1962, uh, Betty Davis and uh, Joan Crawford. The reason I think this is hysterical, and and Lauren, thank you for letting us know that, is that Bob just finished reading the book that the movie was based on, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. And he said to me that they nailed that book so well. Wow. And they cast it so perfectly. And guess what? We we he had the movie on the DVD the other day. And when we love the scene where Betty Davis orders liquor using Joan Crawford's voice, <laughs> we pay our bills, of course. <laughs> Got that. Six bottles of scotch and three of gin. <laughs> so anyway, without further ado, the uh, 
<laughs> the release this week is Top Gun Maverick, uh, starring Tom Cruise as Pete Maverick Mitchell. He returns to the role. He plays a pilot who has been in the Air Force a lot longer, and in fact, he's brought back to the Top Gun training squad to train a whole new group of elite graduates, including one Lieutenant Bradshaw, Miles Teller, who plays the son of the former wingman Goose, who was in the original movie. Bitter rivalries ignite as the pilots prepare for a specialized mission, which will require the ultimate sacrifice from those chosen to fly. Now, I have a lot of friends who actually saw this in the theater, and they loved it. I did not get to see it in the theater, so I am definitely going to pick it up and watch it. But this was one of those big box office hits, and the critics loved it. It was highly anticipated. Good film. You have to let the Chinese know, too, because they'll show it as what their latest, uh, what their latest fighter pilots can do. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know that, right. that, that, remember they used that to uh-huh. Top Gun footage last, what was it, two years ago? And, and someone was like, wait a minute, this is from a movie. <laughs> right. These are, these are not your fighter planes. <laughs> so... Uh, so head over to focusgroupradio.com. Click on the deep discount logo. As John said, there's a site-wide sale going on. I picked uh, the uh, Golden Age of Musicals, which are 17 classic films, five-disc set uh, that you can pick for under $14, which is a great buy. John picked Ad Astra, starring Brad Pitt, which uh, his partner Bob seems to think he likes better and better going on, almost to the point where I might want to watch it. The more he sees it, which means the more he's subjected to it. I was going to say, how many times have you watched it? <laughs> I've seen it like four or five times now. Oh, my goodness. And then uh, the new release this week is Top Gun Maverick. So uh, head over to Deep Discount. You get there by going to focusgroupradio.com, click on the Deep Discount logo, and start shopping away. It's uh, soon to be holiday time, so uh, be sure to uh, take care of everybody on your list and uh, get your shopping done early by heading over to our friends at Deep Discount. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got ourselves a business birthday and a shop talk, so stay with us. You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Now, back to the focus group with Tim and John. Available pretty much everywhere. Welcome back to the focus group. John Nash with Tim Bennett. Focusgroupradio.com is our website. You'll find our partners there and also TFGM buttoned our Tuesday podcast, which we think you'll enjoy. So you might want to subscribe to that as well. Without further ado, I'm looking forward to this one because Tim included a few things that are definitely going to ring the bell. So business birthday. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. Yes, John, and if you're a fan of the show, you've heard about the yellow bus that uh, often got John in trouble, the Fisher-Price yellow school bus, which we'll get to. Uh, It happens to be Herman Guy Fisher's birthday, born November 2nd, 1898. He died September 26, 1975, at 76 years old. He's best known as the co-founder of the famous toy brand, Fisher-Price. He was born in Unionville, Pennsylvania. He graduated from Penn State with a degree in commerce and finance. And uh, for a while, he worked in advertising, was also a fuller brush salesman. I guess he went door-to-door selling brushes. And uh, then he also specialized when he was in advertising. He specialized in toy accounts. And that's where he met uh, Irving Price. And of all things, John, they had a little toy store in Binghamton, New York. Oh, my God, where I went to school. That yeah. was like their toy store? Okay. 
<laughs> so he got together. So Price, Fisher and Price got together. It was uh, so Irving Price, Margaret Evans Price, uh, and Helen Shell established a toy company under the name Fisher Price. And although it was the Depression, they manufactured 16 wooden toys. And they went over to the American International Toy Fair in New York City. And uh, they became quite pop- quite popular. They were um, they had one mission when they established the uh, the Fisher Price brand. It was that the toys should have intrinsic play value, ingenuity, strong construction, and good value in action. The first toy they ever sold was Doctor Doodle in 1931. They also became the first Fisher Price became the first toy maker licensed to manufacture toys based on Walt Disney cartoon characters. The, uh, the toys were made of heavy steel parts and ponderosa pine. They used the uh, ponderosa pine because it resisted splintering. It also held up very well with lots of use. The details and charm were added with colorful lithographic labels that Mrs. Price uh, developed as she was the art director, and she designed some of the push-pull toys for the opening line of um, products based on characters from her children's books. They uh, they also instituted many firsts. They ter- they coined the term preschool toys. Mm. They also developed the wooden blocks. So wooden blocks were Famous invented by wooden them. Blocks, right? Nineteen thirty four. Yeah. They also were the first to use plastics in nineteen fifty with their product, the Queen Buzzy Bee. So they did that with the wings. They also developed and created National Baby Week in the fifties. So they identified plastic as a material because they said it would help the company incorporate longer-lasting decorations and brighter colors for the toys. And so, as I said, they did it with the Buzzy Bee. Uh, By the end of the 50s, they manufactured 39 toys which incorporated plastics. In the 1960s, the Play Family, uh, later known as Little People, that product line of Little Peg People, um, that's when they were introduced and they took over as the most popular of the toys, the Family House of the little people was the most popular playset. During World War II, they had to see, uh, cease toy production. Instead, they manufactured wartime necessities and medical and munition chests for small ships and also some airplane parts. And uh, then they resumed, and they did quite well during the baby boom. But they said in the 1960s, their sales started to plummet because the toys were seen as outdated and old-fashioned. And so um, Fisher ended up retiring from the company and Price ended up selling the company and retiring in 1969 to Quaker Oats. I didn't know that. Which was a wholly owned subsidiary of Mattel in 1993. So he retired in 71. Um, the, the Fisher Plaza at Penn State is named after him, if you happen to, be, happen to be there. He was inducted into the Toy Industry Hall of Fame in 85. He has several great-grandchildren, including Jessica Fisher, who is currently in a custody battle to take Fisher Price Away from Mattel, and I'm just going to do it. Fisher Price currently worth 1.7 billion. Wow! As of 2020, they've made approximately 5,000 different toys since the 30s. One of the best known, I said, was the Little People. They had farm sets, garage sets. Um, one of the other things they did, I didn't realize, ViewMaster oh. was 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 part of them. The Chatter one Telephone, of my favorite. The View, I love ViewMaster reels, man. Right. <laughs> Later on years, they were affiliated with Disney, Sesame Street, Dora the Explorer, and uh, so those were um, a lot of their a lot of their products. Tim put up a bunch of pictures, and 
I can tell you honestly that we had as kids, we had the little telephone that you pulled along yep. and the eyes would go up and down. Up and down, up and down, up and down. Yeah, we had the uh, see and spe- the see and say, that thing for the farm, the cow says, move. Yes, I love that. Um, we had obviously the school bus, which that's the one that we had as a kid. My mom- I put that there for you specifically. Yeah, that was a, there was a, there was a Fisher Price character called Panhead, and in this picture, if you're watching on YouTube, he's all the way to the left. It had a pan for a hat, yep. like a hat. Well, my mom went to visit her folks in Pittsburgh one weekend, and Dad was in charge, and Laura and I were playing school because there was a Fisher Price schoolhouse with a little bell, and and one wall came down it was a chalkboard, and the kids could sit inside, and we had the bus, and we were gonna like go around the house, pick up the kids. We had put a bunch of these kids, these little these little wooden things, on stairs leading to the second floor. And my dad had a nasty habit of he would go to the bathroom and read and read and read, and his leg would fall asleep. And we always knew that his leg was falling asleep because you'd hear that boom, like his footfall was really heavy, like we heard the toilet flush. And we were collecting the kids in the bus on the staircase. He comes out of the bathroom and starts walking down and st- steps on Panhead and takes a tumble down these steps. <laughs> And he just sits up and looks at I don't us. I mean to laugh. And Laura and I are like, you broke Panhead. And Panhead's head had popped off. And, and, and he goes, Panhead almost broke my ass. And he gets really angry. And then he gets really calm, like eerily calm. And he looks at the school bus. He goes, give me that bus. We're like, we, we knew something was wrong. Give me that bus. So he jumped onto the bus and splintered the plastic. Because it was plastic, as Tim said, it was attached to a wooden base with the wheels. And then he trashed it. And my mom came home like two days later. And about a day after her arrival home, she's like, hey, kids, where's the school? Where's your school bus? And we were mum. We were told not to say a word. Well, the bus is gone. Where'd it go? It's gone. (laughs) So eventually this story came out. My mom was horrified. But yeah, Panhead almost broke my ass. So Pan is I was looking at some of the actual names of the kids. So they did have real names, some of those characters. Some of them, the char- the little they gave names to the characters. So the yeah. one the one that also had that he had a there was one that had a pan or something the other way, or the baseball cap turned yep. the other way. Yes. His name was Butch. And then there was another one. The dog was Fido. Um the other kid was Pee Wee. Um Yeah, but Butch was stuck standing next to uh, Pan, yeah. and he had the he had the the ball cap to the side, and I loved the little dog. He was great. Fido, and then they then they started introducing characters of color, and and mm-hmm. uh, right they now did. that you know, so now that they actually somebody collects these things now, and they had a whole series of a whole bunch of, but I couldn't find one with the bus, so that that was the one I used. <laughs> no, that's. Bus. Thank you. I when that came through an email attachment, I'm like, ah. ah. Did you get another bus? We did. It was a minibus. It was all plastic. It could only hold four kids. And um, it was nowhere near as fun. It did not have an opening door with a stop sign that popped out to stop traffic. We, we complained about it, but apparently my father just shut that down. This is, this is the bus. This is the new bus. And this is the bus. So stop. The other bus is gone. <laughs> you caused a lot of trouble. You're a little troublemaker, I think. Oh, I don't know. If I caused the trouble or my dad's sleeping leg caused the trouble, you know, take your pick, right? <laughs> So uh, the great business birthday. Thank you for that. Did you and laugh at all when he stepped on? Pain? We were more. We were beyond mortified. I mean, we were, and he actually snickered after he did this. It was. Uh, it was almost like this evil. Give me thing. the bus. Give, Give me the, the bus. bus. Yeah, and we were like, and Laura wouldn't even let it out of her hands. And finally, she gives it to him. And, <laughs> Crash. And, he, and we knew when when he when he got that 
that kind of calm veneer, like when he was, I'm going to, here, give me the bus. Then we give me the bus. We were, yeah, something was done. bad. Bus is done. <laughs> I've never seen plastic splinter like that. Well, when a 200-pound guy. The only thing would have been if he did that with his foot, he slices his foot open. <laughs> that would have been the only. That would have been even worse. But yes, that could have happened, right? <laughs> All right. At the uh, beginning of the show, we mentioned that on Shop Talk today, we wanted to talk about the idea of celebrity endorsement. And um, this came to me from an article I read in Jalopnik, which it's a blog Tim and I check out. It's about the auto industry. And the headline read, Michael Jackson's rare Suzuki commercials are the greatest. He did these for a uh, Japanese scooter maker Suzuki back in the, I'm guessing it was 80s. The early, early 80s. Yeah. yeah. When, when, um, when his big, big, big album, you know, with all the hits came out, um, off the wall, that stuff. Um, many of these ads are not seen here in the U S some of these, in fact, here's the ending of this Jackson Suzuki thing. And you'll see what country this is probably destined for. Let me play it for you. Love is my message. Light scooter, Suzuki love, yeah. So that was probably played over in Japan or, you know, in, in the Asian countries. But the reason this this struck a note to me is because Jackson was one of the like he tur- he parlayed his success. He had the Pepsi endorsement or his his had the big Pepsi deal. He did Suzuki. A lot of American actors go overseas to do commercials. In fact, one of Tim's and my favorite movies is Lost in Translation by Sofia Coppola. Bill Murray plays an actor who goes to Tokyo to shoot a bunch of uh, ads for like Santori, the whiskey. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> That Americans would never see, but this came up because, or this caught my eye, because this stuff goes one of two ways. And Tim has actually a lot more experience than I do with celebrity endorsements, particularly sports figures. But the reason this resonated with me was this past week or two with Kanye West, or now he's called Ye or Ye. I can't figure out which one it is. I don't mean to insult, but I think it's Ye or Ye. Yeah, because <laughs> it's Kanye. Maybe it's Ye. But, you know, it took a while for Adidas to back away from their deal with him. Other companies quickly hit the uh, exits. But, you know, once you tie your brand to a celebrity and a personality, it's kind of tied to it, right? I yeah. mean, Tim, you had this experience with a number of sports people. Yeah, and then to build on the Japanese thing, so a lot of these stars would go to Japan because you're exactly right. They could do these, you know, Japan was very closed. So they would do these ads in Japan and make a lot of money. And nobody in the U.S. would see them, so they wouldn't tarnish, quote-unquote, their celebrity in the U.S. So, for instance, Subaru used Bruce Willis, Winona Ryder, Kyle MacLachlan. They would do a lot of um, Subaru ads over there. And the Japanese would never understand why we couldn't use them in the U.S., but they would pay them millions of dollars to do these ads. And it was just exactly as you saw with this little scooter thing with Michael Jackson. They would pay him millions of dollars, and he would say one stupid line that made no sense. And we would try to explain that that just would not is how we do advertising in the U.S. Because his message, what he says something like, "My me- love is my message." That's it. That's who you. And the big joke it. here is he was trying to wink. He couldn't wink. He was supposed to wink his eye, but I guess because of all the plastic surgery, he couldn't. And uh, so he, <laughs> he said he was just blinking his eyes instead yeah, of trying to wink. Winking, yeah. But um, yeah, they would go over there because they could make a quick buck. And uh, getting get out, and then nobody would see them in the U.S. But you're right with the Kanye West thing, or or Lance Armstrong when he worked with yep. Subaru. You know, he had he had left Subaru by time 
it came out that he had the doping scandal. The doping scandal, but you know, all the everybody tried to. I think in one day he lost eight eight big sponsors, Jeez. millions and millions and millions yeah. of dollars, which is what happened with Kanye West. The same sort of thing. Tiger Woods was the same issue, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The, the thing I find odd about a lot of celebrity endorsements is, does somebody really, and I remember having this conversation. You and I talk about this all the time. Does somebody really believe that Tiger Woods is driving a Buick? No. Did somebody really think that Lance Armstrong was driving a Subaru? Eh, maybe, but he didn't. Um, and, you know, he drove a, now Martina actually did. Martina, oh, well, Tim had a and relationship we, with Martina Navratilova, yeah. You know, we did use her, and she drove a WRX, and uh, she also had a Porsche, but she actually did. It was believable that Martina... <laughs> actually, yeah, also had a Porsche. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, she did. She had a Porsche because she won it with a, in the Virginia Slims thing. It was a gift. It was a classic, classic Porsche, and she had motorcycles and that sort of thing, but she really did like the WRX STI, and uh, she had that. And so, but some of these other celebrities... You, Michael Jackson driving a little red scooter now. Um, and so are Kanye West. Now, he maybe he did wear Adidas stuff or something. I don't oh, know. His, but he designed it. That was part of his uh, clothing design thing. They made it billions of dollars off of him. I don't know, Tim. It reminds me of the time we had a, um, a potential sponsorship for uh, something called, uh, what was like a, I forget the name of it now. It was a, this, it's an athletic event. It was over seven days. It was kind of one of these crazy races. And we had a team put together that was lgbtq great well, the event that event just oh yeah adventure the, um, the, endur- the endurance race yeah it was um, kind of, um i know what you go to eco challenge eco challenge yeah that was it it was it was the and it was going to be in some foreign country i sent the information to tim and he got right back to me this is back when he was at subaru and i was at my agency and he said yes we'll do this but give me a call and so i call him and I said, is this amazing? This is going to be great. He goes, yes, it's fine. We'll do it. But you have to re- realize one thing. He goes, they may not even place. They may have no cameras on them. They may not be in the top three. He said, you don't, you, it's athletics. You have no idea where someone's going to fall. It's like sponsoring a downhill skier. And I had never thought of that, actually. I, I just thought, oh, it's a great team. They're LGBTQ. They're going to be all over the media. He ended up being right. Um, it was a very difficult course, and I forget. And sadly, there was a game that got played with sponsors, and we were an auto sponsor, but someone else was sponsoring at a higher level, and they basically kicked them off the TV roster. Yeah, General Motors. Yeah, it was GM. And Tim just shrugged and said to me one day in a meeting, he goes, hey, that's the way it goes, and that's what you have to So I'm always puzzled by what, it, literally what Tim said. Do we buy products and services because someone's aligned with them? Eh, I don't know. Well, it's the same thing we did. You know, I played the same game everyone else did. The time when Outback, the steakhouse, was sponsoring yeah. the foot, big football game, the Outback Bowl. And I bought up a bunch of advertising for the Subaru Outback. Oh, yeah. So everybody thought Subaru Outback was the sponsor of the Outback Bowl instead of the restaurant chain. Because the restaurant chain was asleep at the wheel and never bought up the advertising. And so when they did the post advertisement, everybody thought it was Super Super Outback, and we just bought advertising around it. And Tim did something that forever changed a different organization's rules about sponsorship. That was the Gorge Games. Oh, yeah. Where you, Tim, did something, what would you call it? Um, Guerrilla marketing. You bought up media all around the area where these games were being held. And yeah. the impression was that Subaru was like a major sponsor of the Gorge games. They had nothing to do with it, but the Gorge games were furious. And in the future, 
they actually wrote into their agreements that you couldn't do certain things, right? Right. Yeah, we brought up all the in all the billboards, bags, all yeah, the billboards, bags. and then the bags that people handed out stuff in. <laughs> they all said Subaru. No, I mean, you know, and that's what everybody always said. We've always said this about people who do sponsorships and partnerships as well. Is that you can go sponsor something, but it's going to take you three times as much money to activate it. Correctly. Activation, yeah. And people always forget about that. So it's like, oh, we're sponsoring the Olympics, so we're going to sponsor this football game, or we're going to sponsor this golf tournament. That's all well and good, and that's expensive to do. But then in order for you to activate it to actually get your return on investment, you actually have to do something around it. Otherwise, it's useless. That's how I learned that and, from Tim, and that was probably with Team Eco Challenge. That's right, it was Team Eco Challenge. And Tim said, okay, what are you spending for them for sponsorship? And the number wasn't crazy, but it was a number, and he said, double it. He said, "That's put on your, if you don't spend the money, you don't spend the money, we'll figure out other ways of doing it. But he said, if they succeed, et cetera, et cetera, you're going to want to activate it. And it's usually double the cost. So what if you spend $100,000 on a sponsorship, add 100K to activation, which is yeah. significant when you think about sponsorship deals, right? Yeah. No. So it's, uh, but the, the, the celebrity thing, as you, as you mentioned, is uh, fraught with peril. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I often don't, don't, um, a lot of times I think celebrity deals are based upon somebody's ego at the top. Yeah. They either have, they have an obsession of somebody or they want to meet somebody Yeah, or somebody's wife. They want to meet somebody. You're right. They want to line up. I want to play golf with Tiger Woods. Let's sponsor Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Yeah. My daughter really likes Justin Bieber. Let's do something with Justin. Yeah. I've always loved the Rolling Stones. Can we sponsor the Rolling Stones concert? Yeah. You know, you understand. Mm -hmm. So, but, um, yeah. If you want to do celebrity endorsements, let me know. <laughs> Check is as big as the opportunity. You bet. So, so hey, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate uh, you joining us. And if you listen to us, you know, we're one of the top 1% of all podcasts out there that are rated, right, John Nash? Globally. Out of all the podcasts in the world, <laughs> like we're globally. top one. <laughs> now, the next thing that we have to tell you is there are 3 million podcasts worldwide. So right. we're 2 million, 930, yeah. whatever. So being number. top 1% means we're the top 30,000 podcasts. But That's the still... number we love is top 100 of business and marketing in the U.S. So yes, we like which is, that. Which we, we love as well. So, uh, so thanks for listening. And uh, be sure to find all of our, uh, all of our media at focusgroupradio.com you'll also find our podcast there which is a shorter 20 minute tfg unbuttoned which is released on tuesdays just find us wherever you find a podcast right i don't even know how i'm supposed to say that podcast platform of choice was your favorite yeah that's it <laughs> and then someone told me the other day they said I, we didn't know you were supposed to subscribe so if you're there subscribe <laughs> and like us too you can click the like button or follow us somebody said you got to follow now it's not like anymore yeah, you're supposed to follow, follow. yeah Anyway, do what you say. Hit the buttons, like us, follow us, whatever. Listen, we, listen, we appreciate listen. listen. We appreciate it. It's it's going on fourteen years, or as some friends told me, Howard and Patrick laughed. Is it fourteen or fifteen years? You and John can never see. Or twenty. <laughs> twenty. Whatever it is, we're here. We're still here. We've got staying power. <laughs> Don't text and drive. Arrive alive, and we'll see you next week. Take care. It's the Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.